Welcome to yet another episode of Athena Speaks, the podcast where we break down societal barriers that tell us just exactly how to be women and instead empower and encourage one another to be the confident, self-assuring, badass goddesses that we already know we are. Ladies, ladies, welcome. Y'all, it has been a hot minute, and by a hot minute, I mean a full two weeks since Lucy and I have had the opportunity to hop back on this mic and record an episode. And so we thought, what a better way to come back from a hiatus than to hit the gals with a little something special. So today, for the very first time in all of Athena Speaks history, we are having on our very first guest. This woman that we're speaking with today, she's one of my very best friends. I've known her since kindergarten. We grew up together. We played soccer together. We've done it all together. We've seen it all together. And y'all, she is the ultimate goddess. She's an athlete. She played college soccer. She's a Christian. She's a freaking physical therapist. She is the sweetest, best, most compassionate, most loyal friend that you will ever have. She's an incredible daughter, an incredible sister. She does everything in her life with passion, with confidence, with discipline. And she is here today to share her story and her little slice of life and to hopefully give you guys some encouragement to feel empowered moving forward with your lives. So without further ado, please welcome the one, the only, the OG, Dr. Kinsey Sessions. Kins, thank you so much for joining us. So happy to be here. Yeah, it's such a pleasure to have you here. It's so genuine. Our very first such guest. Honor. Our very first I guest. I love it. Such an I honor. Oh, the first outside OG. The first outside OG. Feels good. Okay. Feels good to be on the inside. Well, okay. So if you guys do not know, um, Kinsey and Sydney have been friends for a really long time. Word on the street is since kindergarten. 99 baby 99 um but we were so excited for Kenzie to come on because she just has such a cool um take on life and has just gone through a lot of experiences that are so unique but also so relatable and we were just so pumped to get her on so with that being said Kenzie can you kind of give us some background on like how you grew up where are you from what was it like for you as a kid we you know talked about on our last episode how you you know, everyone grows up in a different way. They shape your future for how you are. So give us a little bit of background on that before we dive in. Yes. Yes. Um, so I am from Franklin, Tennessee, um, born and raised, grew up kind of in the same house from the time I was born to the time I graduated high school. Um, but yeah, I grew up with uh, my two parents and then I have a younger sister who's three years younger. Her name's Mary Noland. Um, but yeah, it was, I would say I have mostly just fond memories of childhood. Um, we were, I was raised in a Christian home. Um, so that definitely was a part of kind of our structure, but it was pretty strict growing up as Sydney can attest. Oh, yeah. Um, but in a, in a good way, I think looking back now, I, I appreciate a lot of what they did. I mean, I kept coming back. Yeah. Sydney, Sydney was still my friend. So I kept coming back. It wasn't, it wasn't that bad. No. Also, you were still Sydney's friend. Too. And I was still Sydney's yeah. friend. So it clearly <laughs> wasn't that strict. No, it, yeah. I mean, like our experiences with sleepovers, like when Kinsey would come to my house, it was entirely different than when I would go to Kinsey's house. It's true. It's true. But yeah, I really, my, my parents are wonderful people. I love them dearly. Um, but yeah, I, I think overall I had a really sweet upbringing. Oh, so tender. So okay. Tender. Well, let me just, you know, 
add some uh, some tough meat to the tender over here. Um, <laughs> I, some color, something to nod. Um, I did not have the same sweet, sweet upbringing, which is not a bad thing. Yeah. I think it's awesome that you grew up that way. Uh, my question for you, just to kind of give some light, shed some light on is this. Um, what are some moments that you remember from your childhood that now as, as an adult really stick out to, to you as you know, significant moral compass, um, factors, dictators that maybe helped you decide like where you're going in your life, where you are now, how you decided to go through your adolescence. Are there some things that really stood out for you as a kid that can give us some light on why you are who you are today? Yeah. Um, I think a lot of what my, parents laid out for my sister and I was there was a lot of focus on like discipline and and hard work um and so I think that really laid the groundwork for a lot of like it shaped a lot of who I am and um what I what I wanted um it was just very much encouraged to us like you need to work really hard at whatever you do use the talents that you've been given um and kind of make the most of every opportunity that's given to you um and I was like blessed enough. We went to private school and my parents, um, that was not always an easy thing for them to, to do financially, but they made the sacrifice because they felt like it was worth it for us to have that opportunity. So I think us knowing that in a child, a child's version of understanding that we, we took that very seriously. And, um, that was something that we wanted to make the most of, but, um, overall, I feel like my parents, didn't really raise us differently because we were girls. I felt very much like they were not limiting us on what we could be or what we wanted to do. Like it was, it was more just, what do you, what do you want? What do you enjoy? What do you like? What do you, um, what do you want to go after? And, um, a lot of that for me growing up was soccer. Um, I played since I was five and then in high school, I decided I wanted to play in college. And so, um, they were really encouraging with that. And, I ended up going into physical therapy and they were super supportive with that. Um, but yeah, I think they just helped me to see the world as something that would open up to me because I, because I was willing to put in work. Um, and not that it was this like closed off thing of I could only be one thing or another. Like I, I felt like there was a lot of opportunity or that you were entitled automatically, which I think is like a huge thing. Maybe it's not a huge thing. Well, I mean, yeah. I think it's a huge thing, but that's also a huge I, thing. It's a huge thing growing up where we where we grew up. I mean, right. we, yeah. we we grew up in a in a nice area. We yeah. grew up. We went to private school, um, and so there there's also just that like preconceived notion of okay, clearly you're entitled right. to whatever. And and no, like your parents didn't raise you that way. They raised you to work hard. And right. I think it's really important that you said they they raised you as, as a person. Yeah, they didn't raise you as a girl, and they said to you whoever you want to be Kinsey as a human being, not as a woman, but as a human, like we're here to support that. And we're also here to give you some reality checks Mm -hmm. and say, Hey, it's going to take a lot of work, but we're here to support that. And we're here to show you how, which I think is really cool. And I think it's so funny because growing up at BGA, like there were times where this just shows how ignorant I was and how like so much of a small community I grew up in, but I was like, Oh, my, my family is poor like within the BGA community, like my, my family's poor. Cause I don't get a new car for my 16th mm-hmm. birthday and I don't, I have to work during the summers and I have to do all this stuff, um, which is comical now. And now I looking back, I'm like, we were so blessed, but, but I think, I think as a, 
as a kid, there was kind of this understanding of like, my parents aren't just giving me stuff. Like it was really important to them that we, that we worked for things that we saw that, that life took hard work and that hard work didn't always pay off in the way that we wanted it to, oh, but it made us that. who we wanted the it to be. The biggest lesson yeah. of life. <laughs> didn't pay off how we wanted to do, but it made us who we want to be. That's oh. wonderful. I also think just going just to touch on that financial side really quick, because I think that no matter how you're raised, where you're raised, I think that that, especially now with like social media, that's, that's such a hard thing, especially as a kid growing up where you're comparing your family's finances to others. And I think yeah. now it's so interesting. Like Kinsey and I, like, like we said, have been friends since kindergarten. And now as we're adults, we're able to have very transparent conversations where Kinsey says like, that wasn't always easy for our parents. Same with my parents. I mean, I remember being in high school and my parents not having a lot of money and paying for private school was like the first thing that they paid for yeah. out of all of their bills. And that was the first thing that they paid for. And I think that that's, that's also really interesting is to be able to be transparent and talk about that because yeah. not everyone's in the 1%. It's right. literally the 1% for a reason. Like right. that's, that's a thing. So right. it just is so funny to me how people can brag about their parents' income. Like they contributed to that. <laughs> right. You exactly. know, like I'm like people today are like, yeah, well my, you know, my dad and they're like in khakis, like my dad, <laughs> male and female in khakis. Yeah. Okay. Let's like all genders. Yeah. Everyone's in khakis. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's in khakis. Everyone's in khakis. And they're like, I, we, ha I'm like, mm -mm, no, no, your parents, yeah. your parents did this. So I think that that's really cool. I was raised similarly. Um, I did not go to private school. There was no um, battlegrounds near where I went to <laughs> high school. Um, shout you know, out. Shout out battleground. We yeah. have cannonballs in front of the school. Go yeah. Wildcats. <laughs> yeah. No, we were not. We were like roaring on the other side of town. Go Bruins. Anyway, um, not that I care about my high school that way. So not as loyal. Um, but leading into high school, I do want to ask you something. So I went to a public school and a lot of the decisions I made socially a lot of the decisions I made for my emotional self were really dictated about who I was hanging out with, what was trending in my, you know, in my youth at that time. Um, I think it's so cool that you guys and y'all circle of friends has remained so close. I, I'm still close to my inner group, but my inner group kind of fluctuated in the sense that there are some people that I, that I was really great friends with that I'm not anymore. Mm -hmm. And I just wonder for you, it sounds like you were raised with like a really disciplined moral compass. Um, and you were also raised in a sense that I feel like your religion was a big, big factor in, in your household and it was important to your family. Yeah. And so I just wonder how, how was that for you? High school was weird for me yeah. as everyone else, <laughs> but I bet it can be especially weird when you have kind of these other things that automatically differentiate you from, from the group. And right. you know that they're going to differentiate you. So right. how do you how did you navigate that? Yeah. I think growing up, like I definitely was wanting to follow the rules. Um, for those of you that are Enneagram people, I'm an Enneagram six. Woo-woo. Um, so very security oriented, very I like authority. Um, so I think there was a lot of that going Can on. Can I ask if you have wings to your six? Because I also am an Enneagram person. So you, like, I think I'm a wing seven. I'm pretty, I'm pretty straight down the middle. I'm pretty hardcore six. I have a little bit of a wing seven because I, I can do the spontaneous thing. I like, love it. I like some adventure, but, but the I don't know why I'm not a six. Being. I love security. And I love <laughs> I rules. I'm a one, two, three. 
but oh, one that. is one is my focus one is your which core. as you can see earlier <laughs> that is the case one is a hard a hard one i love that anyway sorry to, one we love our one sorry to interject so, continue no. so enneagram six yeah so i think a lot of like early on my wanting to be like good so to speak as far as like following the rules was very much fear-based some of it was fear of consequences for my parents they were pretty like hardcore like if you broke the rule there was a consequence it was black and white there was no gray and so um I think there was some fear there some healthy fear probably of of boundaries and then I think on a spiritual side like growing up as a Christian um and I think just having an elementary view of God it was like you do something wrong not good things happen to you you do something right he's happy with you good things happen to you which I know now not to be true but I think just in my understanding of him, it was like, oh, okay, this is how this works. I need to hold up my end of the deal. Um, there's a lot of pressure on me. I gotta, I gotta perform. I gotta, you know, follow within the lines. So I think there was fear also of like, oh, my parents are going to be disappointed in me if I break the rules and then mm-hmm. God's going to be disappointed in me. And then this is what even do I do with that? So, um, I think, yeah, I think there was a lot of fear, but I, I think too, like I, I think there was some pull on my heart of like, I, I do want to follow God. Like I, I felt that of like, I, I want to know this Jesus. I want to like live my life in the way that he calls me to live it. But then there was also like, I wanted to be cool. I was a teenager. Like I wanted, I wanted people to think I was cool. I wanted to fit in. I wanted to belong. I wanted to um, be trendy and you know, all those things too. But I feel like, underneath all that there was still like a greater pull of like but I also want to be who I say that I am because I was also in leadership with FCA and um, I was involved in some bible studies like I I didn't want to be this two-faced person so I like when I decided that that's kind of how I wanted to live my life I didn't want to say that and then do another thing so I think there was that kind of commitment there too I think it's it's important to talk about moving into high school, because I think that, and we, we talked about this a little bit before we started recording, but in the beginning of your life, as with anyone, a lot of how you live is parental influence, mm-hmm. right? Like, or authority influence, whatever. Yeah. But at some point you start making those decisions for yourself. Like at some point, you know, you said, yeah, my parents raised me in the church. My parents raised me to have like strong morals. My parents raised me to be disciplined. But at some point you have to make that decision for yourself. You can't force a high school student or that age person Mm -mm. to follow these morals, to follow these standards. Like that cannot be forced. Like once you get into that age group, like a kid's going to do what a kid's going to do. So I really want to hear about when that transition hit, like when did it become parental influence to self-influence and then what was that like for you within your social groups in high school? Because yeah. like, like what Lucy said, like high school's hard. It sucks. Yeah. Um, even now it's even harder, especially for girls. Oh, uh, I would die if I was in high school now. <laughs> I would die. Oh my gosh. I'm so thankful I got out when I did. No, Sorry I for those thankful. of you that are there now. Wow. The only plus is that mom jeans are in, which we've mentioned. <laughs> yes. We love that. We love, a we mom love jean. the mom jean. And, but like, I, I can't even middle part my hair without looking like an idiot. Like, like I would have been cut from the start. Yeah. So I, done. Cut. I have cut. a calic. My middle part does not work. No, would it would have been, been so a done. hard no, a hard no for me. So yes. So yes. High school's hard. It's and hard. you were hanging out with me and a bunch of people. And, and I'm not going to, I'm not sitting here saying that I was like a terrible, horrible person. I no. wasn't. I think you were human though. Okay. It was a pretty like normal high yeah. school kid. Like yeah. 
you know, once we got to like junior year, I'm like having some beers with friends, right? right? And like right. doing that kind of stuff, which we realized was illegal. Yeah, we do, don't we don't suggest that. we don't we don't suggest that, nor do we encourage. We that. We don't suggest or encourage, but I did that. Yeah, you know, or yeah. I'm rolling down. I wasn't vaping because that didn't exist, but I definitely was. You know, lighting up a black mild every now and then, right? And like, yeah. and Kinsey was around that. Yeah. She was around that, and I think that I tried a little bit to not put you in those situations <laughs> as much as I possibly could. But then there were still times when, like, it was inevitable. Like, we're at a sleepover, and like, maybe some of us are drinking. So, yeah. what was that like for you? Because, like, we were we were such a tight knit group. Yeah. And I want to know because honestly, I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't think I've ever asked you this. Like, yeah. what was that like for you in those times when you look around you and your best friends are doing things that? Morally, you've decided a long time ago, this isn't for me. Yeah. Yeah. I think kind of going back to the earlier part of your question first, like I think in the beginning of my life, my decisions were fear-based. Then I think in high school, it became goal-oriented of like, I wanted to play soccer in college that like with my whole heart, my whole self, I was like, this is what I want to do. I don't want to do anything to jeopardize that. So it's kind of like, I don't, that's, that's my focus. Um, And then I think as I got older like in college it became more like personal experience based of like I see how these decisions have given me full life like a life that I don't regret and a life that not that I haven't made mistakes because I definitely have but but it's the times that I've chosen to live within the boundaries that that God gave me I felt like I was living life to the full and I felt peace and I felt hope and joy and so um I think in high school like with our friend group. Um, I think the hard part was like, it definitely was hard being a, in that environment, environment where I was the only one that didn't want to drink. And I think because I was living in this fear-based mentality, I think I was sad to be the only one. I think I was sad and scared for what that meant for you guys in a mm-hmm. way. Like, cause I was like, Oh my gosh, like they're making these decisions and like, what's going to happen to them? Right. You know? Well, like, especially that- because we had, we shared similar goals. Like we, yeah. uh, most of us wanted to play a college sport. Yeah. And everyone worked hard in school. And, uh, yeah. Everyone worked hard in school. We all wanted to play a college sport. I mean, most of us did, or at least every single one of us was successfully athletic Yeah. in high school. Yeah. It's also, I think, so much easier to disappoint people that you don't know. Yeah. It is so hard to feel like you're disappointing your circle and your friends. Yeah. And whether or not you felt that way, I can imagine that there was some sense of, I don't want to say guilt, but just of that sadness that you mentioned where you have these people that you like genuinely love and care about. You've like gone through things with them. And you see them wanting to like bond with you in a different way. Yeah. And your, your path you chose was just slightly to the right. Yeah. And theirs was slightly to the left. Yeah. Which all paths are fine. There's no roadmap here, you know? So I think that it's really cool. I know at the time it probably didn't feel cool, (laughs) but I think it was really, really cool that you made that decision because I can, I mean, I was not. The person. Most people can't make that decision. No, they can't. Yeah, they most people, like most people, whether whether you have like a Christian base or not, yeah. whether you have like super strict parents or not, there most people, if they're around friends and, and not just drinking, right, but dating too. I mean, like your standards with dating were very different than like my standards or like some of our other friends' standards. Like yeah. what you 
deemed appropriate with with boys yeah. versus like what I deemed appropriate with boys. Very, right. very different experiences, right? right? But so how did you, I guess, let your confidence in yourself and your security in yourself overcome that anxiety of, oh man, like my friends aren't going to accept me or my boyfriend isn't going to accept me or whoever's not going to accept me because I'm not rolling with like social norms right now. Yeah, I'm rolling with my norms and my standards. Yeah. I think it was definitely challenging. Like, I don't want to sit here and say like, oh, I, I just felt confident. So it was no big deal. Like I was a high school kid and I was, you know, still developing emotionally. So I think there was, it was definitely challenging. And I think um, there were times where it was scary or where it felt sad or lonely. Um, but I also think I got really lucky with you guys in that like, with my high school friends, I never felt, I always felt like they respected my boundaries. Like I, I always felt like you guys would be like, come on, Ken's like, do you like just have a beer? And I'd be like, Oh, I'm good. And you're like, are you sure? And I'd say yes. And you're like, okay. And you wouldn't ask again. Like it wasn't this true, like peer pressure, peer pressure thing. It was just it's not like, like something you see in the rom no, yeah, no, it really wasn't like where you no. guys like, we were like drinking, you know, put me in a corner and like <laughs> plugged my nose and made me drink. No, it was like, it was very respectful, which I think almost caught me off guard because in a way you guys made it easier for me to choose differently because you guys were like, okay, well, that's your choice. Like whatever. And so I think that helped me to, um, I don't know, just navigate that a little easier. And, and you guys didn't exclude me then. And Sydney, I always felt like you did such a good job of being like, Hey, we're going to be drinking. Like, like we'd love for you to you be there. Prepping. Yeah. Like prepping me. Yeah. Um, like you're my older sister or something, which is so <laughs> sweet and so thoughtful. And so I think like I never felt ostracized from the group. I always felt like great vocabulary. But I but I felt like still wanted and a part of it even without that. But but again, like it still was challenging. It still was and I had you know, a relationship in high school where that was a point of tension that like sexually, I didn't want to do the things that he wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And that ended up not leading to our breakup, but because of our differences, like that is why we broke up. So like that was, but I felt strongly about it. Like I, I wanted to, to please God. I wanted to, to say that. And I think, I don't know, I think we can go there a little bit, but I think with sex too, in general, I feel like in the church, like from the outside looking in, a lot of people see it as like the church view sex is like dirty and gross and bad. And there's all this like shame involved. And I think the more I've grown, the more I've seen like the heart of God for like sex. It's not about like, Hey, I, this is like a really awesome thing. And I just want to keep you from it. Cause I don't want you to have good things. It's like, it's, it's a high view of sex as like an important and a, like monumentous thing and a spiritual like connection and emotional connection and saving it for the time when it's right and right. not, not keeping you from it. So I don't know. I feel like as I've grown and gotten older, like the reason that I've stuck with these ideas and these morals and these boundaries is like, because I, I've come to agree with the heart behind them. Like I've yeah. come to say like, not the superficial yeah. no. like teachings, but like not the actual like, like core of what is behind it. Yeah. And I think, I think that's really important to talk about because I think that as we talk about empowering women, there's, there's a lot of time spent on saying like, 
yes, women have sex and they enjoy it, get over it. Right. Which I think is great. Yeah. Right. Like I think that for so long women were shamed for that. Right. Yeah. Or there's with empowering women, it's like, do what you want, wear what you want. Like if you want to drink, drink, like if you want to have sex, have sex, whatever. Yeah. And, and I think all of that is also really wonderful because I don't think anyone should feel shamed for the things that they decide to do, mm-hmm. but then we don't spend time on the other end of things, which is what you're talking about, because this is also what you're deciding to do. Yeah. Like this is also like fully your decision. And like, this yeah. is like fully your body fully, and not just sexually your body, but like with drinking and drugs and whatever, like this is fully what you are deciding. And I think it's important to recognize that you can be pro lady and still have like a more conservative set of morals. Yeah. Like, yeah. and that's fine, you know, and and you can be pro lady and have that conservative set of morals, but like be friends with people who might think differently. Yeah. Which I, I feel like we've proved throughout the years, yeah. you know? Yeah. I feel like being a woman shouldn't be um, on conditions. I feel like today being pro lady means that you're pro this, pro this, pro this, no matter what. Yeah. And I think it's important to recognize the fact that everyone has their own level of comfort. Everyone has their own level of drive and um, they all have their own decisions being made in that process. But regardless of your own personal choices, it's not your place to judge someone else's personal choices. As long as your personal choices are being fulfilled and respected, therefore you can respect everyone else's personal Personal preference and personal choices. And I think that's something that maybe gets lost in, uh, in translation because right now feminism is like in your face. Mm -hmm. Everything about being a woman is like, I'm a woman, like here are my boobs. Yeah. I'm a lady. (laughs) What do they say? Tits out for nature. That's that's what feminism is right now. Which I've definitely done. Yeah. No, if anyone in this room was going to do that, it, it would was be just me. Yeah. But it's one of those things that's so cool that you don't have to be so in your face about being a woman because being a woman is enough. That's yeah. all that you need. Hey, yeah. I am lady. Hear me roar. Here you know I what am. I mean? Yeah. Here I am. And that's just such a neat, neat perspective. And, and you I, find your power in, in rooting yourself in these things yeah. rather than finding your power and like shouting it from the rooftops, yeah. which I think is also really cool, which either way is fine, right? Shout it from the rooftops. I'm here for you. Like I'm going to like your social no, media, whisper post. it to me in my ear <laughs> yeah. where my neck kind of tickles. Yeah. Like, like do whatever, do whatever you want to do. Exactly. And so I, I think like a lot of times too, with Christianity, with the church, with the Bible, like being a woman is misconstrued. Like there's just a lot of, because for so long historically in the church, like women have been supposed to be like submissive and there's language in the Bible that can be misconstrued to create relationships in which men are overpowering women. And I think what's interesting is, as you really look at the Bible and you study it and you see the way that God um, talks about women, the way that he, the way that Jesus talked to women, which was so counterculture at the time, the way he brought them into the story, the way he, um, he gave them purpose. He gave them mission. Um, the first women that came or the first true disciples of Jesus were women because they were the first two to come to the tomb. And he said, go and tell the others, like he empowered women. And, and let's go women. Jesus. <laughs> yes. The, the original lib. Yeah. The original lib. But he, but I think somewhere along the way, I think, you know, through the early church, like with the male predominance, like men 
it was easy to twist what God said about his picture for marriage, about his picture for women into this, this view that women were to be quiet, women were to be seen and not heard, women were to be just this like support role when really like God created them as, as partners in building his kingdom. And so I think like, um, I think that has helped me too, to feel confident in like, while no, I'm not like flaunting my body in a way because I don't, I don't think that that's necessary for me to be, to be proud of like being a woman. And I am proud of being a woman. I love being a girl. I love, I'm very competitive. I'm very like physical. I'm aggressive. Like I love working out. I love like literally in sixth grade, my mom came to pick me up from school and she found me arm wrestling with the sixth grade boys. And she was like (laughs) a little concerned for a while. She was like, okay, what are we doing here? But like, I've, I've always had that kind of like competitive drive. And so I I'm proud that I'm proud of being a girl, but I think like the way that my view maybe differs from the world is just that, like, I don't believe my power comes from my sexuality because I think by emphasizing that, that still makes that most, the most important thing about me. And I think I was made to bring so many more things to the world than just like how I look in clothes or like how I look in a picture, like, um, and not that I don't still think about those things, but it's like, what I bring to the world and my, my power, my, you know, my voice is, is in so many other things. Yeah. Because your power comes from within, yeah, not from somebody else's external judgment. Yes. Which your is, inner goddess. which is truly the inner goddess. Ladies, are you tired of having a lady curfew, AKA when the sun goes down? Or are you tired of not being able to take that run alone at night or not being able to walk your dog alone at night or not even being able to walk from your car to your apartment because you know that that creeper's lurking in the distance, just catcalling his way to victory. Y'all, it's 2021. It's time for us to feel more empowered. It's time for us to be able to actually go out alone at night without feeling stalked and threatened. Okay. And that's where she's birdie comes in. Y'all, Birdie is a modern personal safety alarm, and it's here to help you deter an attack. So if you're threatened, all you have to do is activate Birdie's siren and flashing light to create a diversion. It's also super discreet. All you have to do is clip it to your car keys, to your purse, to your backpack, to your dog leash, to your freaking belt loop for all I care. And then the second that that creeper is getting a little bit too close, the second that you're feeling threatened in any way, you just pull the clip, activate the Birdie, this alarm goes off hella loud, a flashing strobe light starts like blasting through the air, and then your creeper runs off in the other direction and then you're left to carry on your merry little way all right guys to get your she's birdie just go to she's birdie.com that's she's s-h-e-s birdie b-i-r-d-i-e.com and if you want to save a little money then you can enter code goddess 10 at checkout to get 10% off that's she's birdie.com goddess 10 at checkout for 10% off okay so speaking of that inner goddess i feel like that's something that you hold true when you leave the nest. So obviously you went to school at Sanford mm-hmm. and then you went to grad school. So my question is, what was that like? I mean, you talk about your roots, you know, your family, your friends, everyone was so accepting, which is awesome. But I feel like when you go to a place that's unknown, how do you establish the same things that you had at home that were so comforting and that aided in uh, your confidence to make the decisions that were best for you how do you recreate that environment away? And what was it like when it wasn't as maybe seamless as it was at home? Yeah. I think this also kind of plays hand in hand with women who are currently in high school 
or women who don't feel like they have the support system that you did have, but still want to make decisions for themselves. Like, I think that this question also kind of plays into that. Like, how do you do it when things aren't maybe as easy, when your environment isn't as welcoming? Yeah. Or as planned out and structured. Totally. Um, So going to Samford, like, again, it was a small Christian school, like very much a bubble. I was an athlete. I played soccer there. Um, so that gave me a lot of structure, a lot of like discipline. And I ended up finding like some of my best friends on the team there. Um, but my freshman year was definitely like interesting just because like it is for anybody, just cause you're kind of deciding like, who do I want to be here? Who am I? Like, who am I outside of my, my family's house kind of a thing? Um, so yeah, I, and I honestly went into college, like wanting to find people like me. Like I loved my friends from high school, but I was like, I want to find people that want the same things I do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, in the sense of like religion and, and following Jesus. And so I went in with that mindset and, um, early on, I, I ended up finding some friends that I like was involved in like ministries with and, um, had some of that, but then there was also like, there was also definitely that. I guess temptation is the word, but just like the question of like, well, but I could like go out on a Thursday night, you know, or I could like, and so I did that a couple of times. Like I tried like going out and I didn't drink, but and I was 18, so I could go and like, and it was just this weird, like, oh, I get to choose. Like I can decide what I, what I want here and who I want to be. And I think again, like I felt this like, okay, I say that on this one thing, like I'm involved with this ministry. I'm, um, I proclaim to be a Christian and, and then I'm, and I don't think that I was necessarily doing anything wrong by going out and enjoying time with my friends. But I was like, is this really like going to help me meet the people that I want to meet? Is this really going to like make me who I want to be, I guess, which sounds like a weird perspective to have as an 18 year old kid, but that was just kind of what I was thinking about. I think that's important to anyone who is going through a transition in life, if you know exactly what you want, I think it's important to kind of have a plan. Like you had a plan going in. You're like, these are the people that I want to surround myself with. Like, these are the things that I want to do. Of course, I'm going to try to branch out from time to time and like experiment and see what's going on. But I think that if you genuinely know what you want, to go in it with a plan and and to go in it set on the things that you actually really want yeah and I think my high school experiences too like with all of our friendships and of course we were idiots like we we did stupid we would are we all idiots we're all idiots like it's like we were sitting around having these like deep conversations no I did feel like we had I mean I watch videos now of the games we would make up and like the things we would say it's honestly we were pretty funny but mostly weird (laughs) but I like I still felt like we had this like depth of like trust like I trusted you and and all of our other friends and so I think that helped pave the way for me in college of like I want real friendships like I want depth I'm not looking for like oh remember that time like we all went out and so and so was drunk and that was funny like that wasn't funny to me and it wasn't appealing because I was like this isn't like real relationship like this isn't like depth this is just like superficial weird stuff to be cool Yeah. yeah this is situational just to be cool and so I think like I was very turned off by that early on. And so I don't know. I think that going after relationships with people 
where it was like mutual respect, mutual trust, mutual yeah. like, and then of course mutual beliefs, which you don't believe the same thing as anybody, regardless of how closely similar right. they are. But I was just like, I I want that. I want friendships so, that are real. I I just want to ask because. When I was in college, when I was going into college, Mm -hmm. I I had a similar mindset in the sense that I didn't want superficial relationships, right? My entire upbringing was based on authenticity. Authenticity, yeah. yeah. And it was based on like a deeper level of relationship because same thing, like I also was like very different from all of my friends, but we had that deeper level of trust. And so, but when I went to college, I found that I forced mm. that deepness. Like I really forced Sydney, it. I was literally about to talk about yes, this. Yes. I love when we do this. I love yes. this. We're like, yes, we're okay. on the same page here. I, okay. I would force it. Right. Yeah. And so I would find myself in these friendships, especially in the beginning. That you thought were great. That I thought were really great. Yes. But they're not. They they're, turned out to be toxic. No, they, they can't hold water. No, they yeah. can Yeah, exactly. And so, and, and then I would get really, really sad yeah. because I had never experienced a friendship that was toxic. I had never experienced something where, yeah. It wasn't built on something deeper. Yeah. Like it wasn't built on something just like purely situational. And so I guess my question for you is how did you find those relationships? Because I know that through college, I struggled with that. Yeah. And I ended up leaving college with only like a couple really good friends, like only like a few people that I would still talk to today. Yeah. And I know that that's a very different situation for you. I know that like your college friends, like I know your high school group is like your core, but like yeah. you have a bunch of college friends. Yeah. And, and I know them and like all of our high school friends know them and we all love them and they have now come into your adult life and they're still fully present. So I just, I, I ask like, how did you, how did you find that? And how did you kind of like weed out the bad and understand like what is real and what is true? Yeah. I think a lot of it was that I got really lucky. Like most of my friends that I keep up with now played soccer with me. Um, and then a few were kind of like other people along the way, but I just feel like God brought very like genuine people into my life. And I, I, there were, yes, there were some along the way that was like, eh, I don't really want to be friends with you, but. But do you feel like though also that it was a combination of, because, okay, there's a quote that's like, what is it? Opportunity is, or like success is when like luck meets opportunity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like. God brought these people into your life because like you were already adjusted to that. Like, yeah. You were like pre-adjusted to like what you needed and what you wanted. Yes. Right? Yeah. And so I think, yeah, I think knowing going in, knowing like the difference between superficial and, and deeper of being like, yeah, no, if people just wanted to connect on something superficial, it was like, it just didn't sit well with me. I was yeah. just kind of like, ah, that doesn't, I don't it really doesn't feel connect right. with you. And I would rather, where then there were people where you connect more quickly or you, you know, you have more of like a deeper. I feel like I, okay. So I went to school, obviously we all played soccer in college. Cheers. Um, I will say this. So when I was in school, I feel like in preseason, which is like when you go in, in the summer and you're like training and you're all dying together. And Mm -hmm. like, I think what's so different in your freshman year, I don't want to speak about sophomore, junior, senior, because I feel like you kind of have it figured out from them, but like truly freshman year, you don't, you don't know because every connection you make isn't based on going out and drinking. It's not, it's, it's solely based on the fact that you're all in honestly misery loves company and you're all dying together. And I feel like that's something that's so hard. Like I look back on my freshman year, my, my, you know, I look, 
I look at that time in my life and I see these girls that I thought were my friends. Mm -hmm. And the only thing we really had in common was, were the circumstances like you mentioned, but it's hard to differentiate that those are truly, you know, circumstantial experiences because because it's your life. It's your life. There's yeah. nothing else. And you know what? If you don't play a sport, if you are just going to school, I think about rushing. Same yeah. situation. Mm-hmm. I think about honestly, you're or like joining a club or picking your major or anything, whatever it anything. is. Like you have anything that you have like kind of decided is your path in college. Like you are surrounded by people who have also decided it is their path. And, and it's so, really easy to fall exactly. into relationships. With exactly. Them. They're like, exactly. And it's so, it's so tough. And I'd like to think that the reason that we can all sit here and like chat about this today is because we've all had those friendships that we finally were like, Ooh, here's my red flag, you know? And Ooh, here's how I navigate this. And so I, no, I don't want to speak for you or for you or for anyone, but I can truly speak for myself in the sense that my freshman year of college was kind of like, was, was dicey. I feel like we say dicey a lot, but dicey, dicey. dicey. you know, it was dicey in the sense that like I was trying but I had no yes. experience to fall back on. And yes. that's something that lacks from the from the high school to college situation. So yeah. I guess I say once you moved to your sophomore year, because yeah. I feel like from what you're saying is you got lucky, but I'd like to think that you maybe got lucky in the sense that you had good experiences your freshman year to build into that next yeah. year. And for the rest of your college career, how did you navigate maintaining friendships that were um, productive for your mm-hmm. goals and your mm-hmm. morals. And how did you move through the times that were like the highs of like, yes, this is me. And also the lows where you were like, Oh, I'm out of my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Um, these aren't the people, the things that I had initially thought that would be important to me. Yeah. I feel like that's something that's relatable to us, Sydney and I, and also yeah. us as like the OG community is yeah. that, everyone experiences those highs and lows Mm -hmm. and they experience those like where you feel so secure and so close. Yeah. But then you also feel so isolated and away. Yeah. How did you go through that? And and not just with friendships, but also relationships as well. Yeah. Like romantic relationships. Yeah. I would say, so my sophomore year, um, was definitely in, in freshman year, I think is, is different too, in the sense of like, you're figuring out who you are, what you want. Like, there's a lot of that, like shedding of layers of who you were versus who you're becoming kind of a thing. And so I feel like sophomore year, I caught my stride a little more. Um, but I was definitely still searching. Like I would say probably by senior year was when I had my core group of friends that I like still keep up with today that were like, these are my people. This is who I've Mm -hmm. chosen. Um, and who's chosen me. Also, yes, yes. and you're exactly. me, yeah, okay. and and learning. Oh, this is a two way street. Who's willing to make the effort? Because it only gets harder as we get older to maintain friendships. Um, but yeah, I mean, I there were definitely some lows. I I mean, some that come to mind are like I was in a very toxic dating relationship in the middle of college, my sophomore year, and so um, navigating that and and finding friends that were willing to call me out that we're willing to listen, that we're willing to we love friends who walk with out. me through that. But also yeah. still listen. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the combo. Both. The combo. Yes. 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 It's a need. It's listen, definitely a need. Exactly. Yes. So that was that was definitely hard. Then my junior year, that same guy dated one of my really good friends who I still love dearly. 
she's probably listening. Love you. Um, she's marrying someone else, so that's really good. Because um, he was horrible. But yes, that was that, that was really hard to to watch and be part of because she and this guy and then some of my other friends were like hanging out. Because so you knew that all, you knew all these plays. Yes, and he was pulling them all. And so to one to watch her, you know, be in that situation where mm, I, as a friend, the eggs love, the eggs love, the where eggs love. You're like, mm. oh my gosh, like I know what he's doing. I've seen this movie before. I hope it's better with you, but it doesn't look like it, kind of a thing. And then on the the other side of like, oh, I'm isolated. Like they're hanging out with them. Like my friends are hanging out with them, and I'm isolated. So that was definitely kind of a rebuilding year for me too. Of like, okay, how do I how do I maintain that friendship? Because she, I'm in her wedding this summer. Like, yeah. and I'm still friends with her. How do I maintain that friendship? Like, call her out in a way that's loving. But then I can't but hang also, out with her. But also in a way that's like, I promise you I'm not calling you out because I'm jealous, I'm jealous. that you're dating my ex-boyfriend. <laughs> yes, yes. But in a way that's like, okay, I've seen this. I've been here before and I promise you he's not being genuine. Right, like, that's, right. That's weird. Yeah, yeah it was like Ugh, really, I hate really that guy. I balance. hate that guy. It was really, he was the worst. He but is the worst. We, um, yeah, so that was like really hard to navigate with friends, but it was also really sweet because I ended up living with two girls that were on the basketball team that I've talked about before that yeah. were like hilarious and so fun. Oh, I think I met them yes. when I came to visit. They're yeah, such they're a blast. And like, I laughed so much and they were both really strong Christians. And like, so I just had so much fun with them and, and kind of got to like build different friendships that I wouldn't have. Right. And then with, when my friend came So back basically around, taking a situation that could have gone really South yeah, and saying, okay, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to do my best to support this situation. Yeah. And instead like, I'm going to live my own separate life, like yeah. live with these two basketball girls who I probably would have never lived with right? had it not been for this situation that I'm in. And then like finding a new path, yeah. which is cool because it's like there are so many different paths. Like you can divert your path and go on to a different one and still align with your goals. Yes. Like your goals are not always on the same path. Yeah. Or like they're they not switch off. They're not on the path that you've decided. Right. Yeah. Your goals honestly unfold because of the experiences you go through. And yeah. I think it's so cool honestly, for everyone to have that experience of like, this is what I thought, but this is what I am. This is yeah. what happened. And there's yeah. such a, a vast difference in those things. And you're put in those positions. I know we talk about God. I think, I think he, he does that truly yeah. for the sense of, okay, you might think you have a plan, but this is my plan. This is yeah. actually and it's honestly a gut check of like, you're right. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. bet. Okay, cool. <laughs> Got it. Got yeah. it. And even looking back to like that year, that was my like sophomore junior year. Those were like my hardest classes for getting into PT school. Those were my hardest like so life classes. Hard. Yeah. My just being. I was an adult. in like two semesters of physics. I was in organic chemistry, like all this stuff. And so, and honestly, that group ended up doing a lot of stuff where they'd be like hanging out late at night. Like it was kind of a in a way like a protection for me of like I, I was able to like have to have study. to survive. Yeah, because yeah. I had to make good grades that year. So, so Kins, I want to ask you about because I know you talked about the the yikes relationship mm -hmm. but i want to i want to talk to you about your relationship that you had later on in college yeah um that didn't didn't appear to be yikes yeah appeared to be wonderful like if we put this guy down on a piece of paper he's perfect for you yeah no he's, pros cons like pros, pros cons, cons like you know he's actually perfect he's yeah he's your type i mean we, we talked about my type in our therapy episode. Uh, Kinsey also has a type. It's equally as stark. Except for that Kinsey's is even more consistent. Like mine has kind of changed a little bit. A little mine bit. Mine all look like they could be related. No, Kinsey's are actually what? all siblings. 
Okay, also yours are all okay, siblings. Yeah, Whatever. I don't know what BGA does <laughs> to you guys. Children. I don't At know. Battleground, they make you fill out like a questionnaire. It. You guys played MASH very consistently. I blame it on the fact that my first crush was Nick Carter from the Backstreet Boys, oh. who turned out should have been my ex-love because he has not so great character, you know, <laughs> deal going on. <laughs> but but I think that's where it all started because he was blonde hair, blue eyed. That's my type. And that's Kinsey's type, literally. Athletic. Blonde hair, blue eyed, athletic, a little bit tall. Yeah. I, I don't know what this it is. This is her type. So on, on paper, this guy's perfect. He's physically, he's your type. Spiritually, like you want to talk about a man of God? We have a man of God here. All the Shade. checks are being Literally checked. Literally all the checks. checks. He's athletic. He's all the things, right? Family guy. The Family whole guy. Funny. Yeah. Like you get along with him great. Like yeah. everything is, the boxes are being checked. Everything's being checked. wonderful. And then all of a sudden, like what, two years in, a year and a half, two years in, yeah, year. Kinsey's like, yeah, actually, no, this isn't for me. And everyone was like, wait, what do you, what do you mean? <laughs> what are you talking about? Like, what are you talking about? What do you mean? <laughs> like, we're, we're all so confused. Like, I remember your mom being like, Kinsey, no, you go back after that boy. Like, <laughs> he's perfect for you. He's so great. So, so I, I want to talk about that because this, this kind of like goes hand in hand with relationships and deciding like what's right for you, what's right for your path, what's right yeah. for your goals. And I think that so many women have, have a big, big, problem with walking away from a relationship that's almost perfect yeah. or it's for almost perfect or for settling for the almost perfect yes or yeah. for settling for the almost okay perfect, let whatever. me re let me rephrase that not for settling for the almost perfect because no relationship is perfect right. but settling for like honestly the half-ass yeah it's like or settling or like compromising know? on things that like going into the relationship you would have never compromised on but because like we laugh together and like yes. yeah he's my type physically and like he loves god and this and that like yes cool, I'm going to compromise yeah. on X, Y, and Z because he also checks off all these other boxes. Like yeah. what was it like to, and, and how did you pull out from that relationship with someone who you genuinely loved, yeah. right? Like yeah. someone, someone who was perfect in a yeah. lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. How did you like wave the red flag? Yeah. Wow. Or the white flag. <laughs> the white I will um, go down this ship. <laughs> oh, not. Oh, was no. it Dido? Was yeah, Dido. We're, we're oh, bringing her back. Yeah, we're bringing her back. Um, I, honestly, I will say that is probably the first time that I, well, first of all, dated someone that I was like, oh, this is like, we really line up with, on things. Like, my high school boyfriend, we didn't. The guy I dated, my ex love, definitely didn't. So this guy was like, oh my gosh, she's great. This all makes sense. But it was kind of my first uh, real experience, like physical, mental, emotional experience with anxiety with that mm -hmm. was like, I would just get these random like attacks of anxiety, not a true panic attack, but just of like, oh my gosh, like, I don't know. I, I can't do it. I don't. And, and we were young, like we were in college. We weren't really talking about marriage, but like just the thought of that, I'm like, I don't, I don't know if I want to be with him. Like th those thoughts would just kind of go through my mind. And so, um, like you said, everything was great on paper. I still like very much respect and admire him a lot now. Um, and, but I just, there was just something in me that was like, Ooh, like, I don't know. And so a lot of that was like weeding through some mental stuff, mental and emotional stuff, like kind of bouncing that off my parents, like praying through that, talking to friends. And a lot of them were like, I think you're just freaking out. Like everything is fine. Mm -hmm. Come back to the facts. Like it's all good. And eventually I, I truly kind of ended things out of a very anxious, like dark 
time. Like right. I was in PT school by then. I graduated from college. I was in physical therapy school. You guys were in a long distance, we're in a long relationship. distance relationship. Yeah. Um, and all the like mistakes, all the like insecurities woof. are exposed. They come to play. 100%. They come distance, to play. Yeah. And so I'm in like my hardest semester of school ever by far. So I'm drowning in school. I'm going back and forth between Chattanooga and Birmingham, going to visit him. And I am just having so much anxiety over whether or not to date him. And so I, I ended up breaking up with him kind of out of this like split second decision. And looking back, I feel confident that that was the right decision for both of us. He's married now. He's happy. Like, but it, it wasn't necessarily a split second. Like maybe it felt like it in the moment, but like yeah. this had been. It had been a thing. And yeah. I think there were like, I think there were some things about him that I like, I was like, ah, I don't know that I can like picture like a life with him. Like, I don't know that I can picture like long term with him. Yeah. Right. Or like getting me like actually getting married to him. Like there were just, and it wasn't like, Oh, he's, he's mean to me. Like he was so kind to me, so good to me, so respectful, but it was just like, there was just this thing where I was like, I'm, I love you, but there's I'm not like, no, off. there's yeah. a reason that women have intuition yeah, and that's yeah. what was talking to you. Yeah. Yeah. I and, totally but, I, but I really do feel like a lot of women like who are, you know, two, three, four years into a relationship. Yeah. And that intuition is talking to them and they ignore it. Yeah. You know, and, and I just think that it's honestly, in my opinion, like very courageous of you mm-hmm. to say, to listen to that. Yeah. And to listen to that, not as, not only as like your intuition, but like to go back to your roots. Yeah. To your faith, to listening to God, to all these things. Cause I remember Kinsey like calling me up and being like, yeah, like I prayed about it and like I got a hard no from God. And I'd be like, what do you mean? Like, I don't understand. <laughs> like, what does that mean? I'm like, I don't understand what that means. Like, please explain. But like now that I've, you know, grown up a little bit more and I'm able to like understand that perspective a little bit more, it makes so much sense, you know? Yeah. And and however you describe that, like if you describe it as God, if you describe it as intuition, as, you know, the great out yonder, whatever it may be, it exists and it's real and it's within you. And it's such a mature perspective to sit with yourself and listen to that to make a decision for because you guys could be married right now yeah truly you you could actually be married he wasn't gonna break up with you yeah like that wasn't gonna happen like he was he was happy with you and you were happy with him for the most part yeah but you said no yeah and i think that that's i think that's really brave and courageous and i think that that's something that a lot of women need to hear is that when you have that gut instinct that intuition that that God moment, that universe moment, however you describe it, listen to it. Yeah. And I think, I think a lot of times because there was like, with feeling anxious about it, like, I I think a lot of people feel anxious about relationships and that doesn't necessarily mean, oh, you should end it. Like it should be over. I think, but I definitely think it's something to lean into. Like, that's kind of what I learned from it. And what I'm continuing to learn is like, anxiety is it's a feeling it's, or it's like, it's an emotion. It's also a mental health problem. Like it's a like short circuiting in our brain that like goes off really quickly. So it's like, it's definitely something to pay attention to, but it's not because I honestly, with that relationship, I kind of let it be the driver. If my, if I'm driving a van and all my emotions are sitting in there with me, like anxiety Anxiety was the wheel and it was like, saddle up. I'm driving this thing. You can't marry him because there's some stuff going on. And I think, and I, again, the, looking back now, I'm like, yeah, there were other things that were, that were, that I didn't see it happening long-term, but I think what counseling has helped me a lot with, which I'm a huge advocate for, um, 
it has helped me to see like, cause I, as a Christian too, it's really confusing because anxiety is like in the Bible, it says, be anxious for nothing. Don't be anxious. And, and the Bible talks about like anxiety doesn't come from God, but I had kind of warped it and felt like, oh, is my anxiety, like, is that God? Like, is God speaking to me through anxiety? And people would be like, no, he doesn't speak that way. Like, so it was just really confusing in my head of like, is this God? Is this me being scared? Is this Satan trying to attack me? Like, what, how do I even like weed through this and decide like, and make a decision as, as weighty as, am I going to marry this guy? Right. And so I think like what years literally of counseling has given me is, is seeing like, okay, anxiety is, is real and Mm -hmm. it's, it's valid and it has something to say, but when we let it like run, write the narrative of the story, or when we let it quote unquote drive the van, that's when, that's when we feel like so small and like trapped and just this feeling of like uncontrollable, like I can't control these emotions. So I think what I've learned since then is like, okay, when I feel that, I need to look into that. I, I can't ignore it because at some point it gets so loud that you can't. Yeah. And so I need to like, I need to pray about it. I need to like speak to people that I trust that know me well, that I need to talk to my parents that like I trust and know me well and you guys and my college friends and, and hear from wise counsel and, and navigate through it rather than, cause I think it's so easy to in our society to just like push things down and be like, Oh, I feel anxious. Everybody feels anxious, whatever. And like get on Instagram or, or drink or do whatever it is to help you escape when like emotions unhindered, like they just get bigger and louder and worse. Like and we you have, have to, to sit with it. You have to confront. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that escape it's, it's cute. Yeah, <laughs> but it's not something long term that's realistic to. It's gonna healing. come back even stronger. Exactly. Yes. yes. So, so it's, yeah. I think it's I think it's really cool that you decided to. I'm sure it was hard for you to rationalize between faith and anxiety and to seek counsel, and I think that that's something that a lot of us can relate to because you're taught, you know, like you should be able to pray. People say that. Yeah. Pray about it. You right. know. Right. But sometimes you need more. And the fact that you're able to like take a step back and say, you're right. Yeah. It's brave. It's really brave. And I think like learning the biggest like breakthrough for me was like, God is not in my anxiety, but he is with me in my anxiety and he is patient and kind enough to sit with me in it and help me to navigate it. And he wants to help me figure out what comes next. So you talk about anxiety with this relationship and I know that just just from knowing you and like having been through that experience with you that even after after this relationship ended the anxiety still kind of lingered and I love what you said about anxiety and like how it coincides with like your Christian beliefs and all this and like how it can be confusing and like the whole like yeah pray about it whatever and you're like actually no like sometimes it's it's more than not more than that but it's right. separate from that. Totally. And so I want to talk about how that anxiety continued to develop yeah. even after this relationship. And then like yeah. what it looked like for you to navigate through honestly, like a mental health yeah. disorder yeah, in a Christian setting. Totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, I mean, pretty much from the moment we broke up to, to, after that, it was like a forest fire. Like it just spread into every avenue of my life. It was like 
Now I don't even know if I should be in PT school. Now I don't even know if I should be living here. Am I supposed to move somewhere? Am I supposed to just go be a missionary? Like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Like, it was just this, I mean, I couldn't sleep. I couldn't like focus in school. Like I'm, I'm in this gut-wrenching semester of classes that are so challenging and I can't even focus because I'm just so like distraught about where I am. And like, and so thankfully, I mean, literally by the grace of God, I was living with two girls. Like, it's funny now that were in counseling school, like to be yeah. counselors. And first of all, that was such a gift because during all that, they would just like grab me by the shoulders and look me in the eye and they'd be like, you are not crazy. And yeah. I was like, are you sure? That's the best. <laughs> it was the best. That is the best. The best. When, like a certified professional yeah. is like, you're actually fine. I've dealt with you're worse. You're like, crazy. I know. I have that with my therapist. She's like, Sydney, you're super normal. <laughs> you're like, like everything's fine. I'm like, are you sure? Do you know though? <laughs> it was, but it was so like grounding and they were just like, everything you're feeling is valid. We hear you. I mean, it was like, literally free therapy and I one of my roommates had a gold retriever so that's like free therapy that's also free therapy yeah um but they just encouraged me like they're like go to counseling like here are some recommendations of people like it's okay to get help like that doesn't mean and that it's, something's drastically wrong and it's, it's nice like, to have that from your people that you've already yes. deemed your inner circle that have yes. common like alignment and your morals and goals and you're just yes. like thank you yes and so it was yes. so sweet to like be dropped in that because definitely before that my ideas of counseling were like oh that's for people that are like off the charts they're like unwell that are really not okay not even yeah. unwell but maybe not as like morally sound yes like not even that, that but like you have like something, something much really deeper wrong. than like anxiety and depression yeah right. like there is there's something like really right. really wrong and i think in my head too i was like oh, I have had this, like, awesome childhood. Like, I wish I had drug problems so that I could just be like, this is my issue. Let's get yeah. to the root of it. Here it is. It's like, nothing really traumatic happened to me. Like, I had this good, Isn't like, kind of interesting? Like, life. I think about that a lot, too. Like, yeah. sometimes you, like, kind of, not necessarily, like, wish that something worse kind would have happened, but you're kind of like, damn, like, this is how I'm feeling. And, like, I've had a great childhood. Yeah. And I've had, like, a great upbringing. And I've had great friends. And, like, I went to a good school. Yeah, and, like, like, what I, is wrong with me? Why am I this way? Like, that makes yeah. it really hard. It's almost easier to, like, pinpoint it to a drug addiction or, thing. like, an a assault a, yeah. or something like that. Like, yeah. And I think, like, what kind of came to the surface and, like, what I realized was just this, like, somewhere along the way and – Um, I think in college too, like I played soccer in college, but Stanford was definitely like my stretch school. Like I didn't really play as much as I wanted to play, um, or as much as I thought I was going to. And my role on the team was not like a starter. Like that just wasn't how it worked out. And I ended up playing a decent amount by the time I was a senior. But so there was always kind of this like underlying message of like, I'm not good enough on this team. Mm -hmm. And then like the friend group that I got involved with in college, not the ones that I'm still friends with now, but a ministry I was involved with kind of had some like unhealthy narratives about God. Um, If you're not super familiar with the church, it was like a charismatic group of people, which is like kind of a a big movement right now in the church um, that really emphasizes like experiences, really emphasizes like kind of some supernatural like um, encounters with God, so to speak. And I wasn't getting those. And so, so there was that made you feel it was like, than. oh, I'm not keeping up. Like I'm not doing enough. And and there was almost this underlying message of like, but if you believed enough, like you would get these things. Or if you if you really were a Christian, like you would you would be getting these things. And so there was like kind of this narrative of like, you're not good enough, you can't keep up. And so I think like 
And it created this warped view of God that he was up there like, well, if you would just... You would just believe enough. I would give you, you know, almost a smug, it's very smug, a smug yes. version, right? Yeah, that was like, well, if you would just believe enough, like I'm out here hiding, and if you just come find me, then then maybe I'll tell you what you know what to do or how to how to navigate life. And so through counseling, it was like just this. I just had so much little t trauma, like within the church, within my view of God, that there was so much depending on me that it was like, oh, I wasn't doing enough. I wasn't like. I wasn't good enough, even though, and I was so mad at him. I was like, I'm, I've been following your rules. Like I've been holding up my end of the day. Right, like, right, right, six. Yeah. 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 I was right like, six. I have like staying within the lines. Like I what? didn't even drink in high yeah. school. Yeah. I, was like, <laughs> I know. I was like, I didn't have sex with my boyfriend. You know, yeah, like, like it was just, I am like doing the things that you're asking of me. And I am finding the opposite of life to the full in you. Like what gives? And I mean, there were so many moments where I was like, I, if I, if this is what it's like to be in relationship with you, God, like I'm out. Like there mm-hmm. were so many moments where I was just so brutally honest with him. Isn't that what you're like coming into adulthood should be though? Yeah. Now in hindsight. Oh yeah. Aren't you oh like, gosh. aren't you like, this is it, what, yeah. and I might not have been as religiously sound as you, but I also yeah. have a similar experience in finding myself as I'm sure you do also. I feel like every yeah. Every person, I don't want to say every woman, with but I feel like with every or person. without God, like exactly. you have to go through that doubt. The doubt. Yeah. You have to go through that doubt yeah. to, in order to find your truth. Yeah. And I think, and there were so many years that I just was like so mad. I was like, I was looking for you. Like I was seeking godly relationships and I wanted to know more about Jesus and I wanted to make it personal. And yet I was met with this like warped view of him that I had to like work through to undo. And now I'm finally to a place where I feel like I have a more healthy view of him. I'm in a really because great it's church your view. because it's my view. And so yeah. it's like, but it, I, I feel like that's kind of what God's always up to is like, he's always like correcting our views of him because he wants us to have a right view of him. And I almost feel like that had to happen to me. Like I had, like I had the little seeds of it growing up of like, I like authority. I like roles. I'm going to, I'm going to be the good girl. God, like you come through on your end of the deal. And he just was like, Kinsey, I, I had to like revamp that story because you were going to live this life of trying to please me your whole life. And what I'm trying to write a story of is like, I am giving you grace through Jesus of like, from, because of what he's done, I love you. Stop yeah. trying so hard. Which I think, I mean, that, that is so powerful. And and it's so beautiful that you came to that point of truth. And I think that for anyone listening who isn't super religious, who isn't a Christian, who isn't very spiritual, I think that this is still a metaphor for life in the sense that like you have to come to a place that's for you. And you have to come to a place that like you, you have to shake things up a little bit. Yeah. You know, like you, you, you have to do it and you when, can't just live on. And we've talked about the different paths in this, yeah. in this episode, like we've talked about, like the path changes yeah. and that's okay. And to embrace the path changing and to embrace like not pleasing other people, but pleasing yourself. Right. I think what's so cool. And, and, and like, even like you saying like God, like he was saying, stop trying to please me, like find me within you and then please that. Yeah. And, and then that's where you'll find me. Yeah. And that that's the same thing to anyone listening who, whatever your beliefs may be, like, do not look outward, like look inward. Mm. I just, I think it's cool that you finally got to a point where when you're happy in your life, you don't have to try. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It should just be that you wake up happy, going through work, happy, 
relationship, happy, friendship, happy, upset, still happy, right? Mm -hmm. Ticked right. off, still happy. Yes. All of those things coincide because you finally come to a place of peace in yourself, which brings me and Sydney, I guess, brings us <laughs> to our last question of our interview. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> um, to you, if you were going to leave here and like, I hope, knock on wood, talk about Athena Speaks. Duh. And you were going to decide, okay, how do I have, how, how do I have somebody buy in to the type of female, the type of woman that we want? My question is, what is being a goddess to you? in your life today, in your previous experiences that we've talked about, in your future experiences that you hope to have, mm -hmm. what does it mean to be a goddess and why is it important in your life? Yeah. I think being a goddess is someone who is confident. Um, I think it's someone who is grounded, who is sure of themselves and someone who is seeking to uplift others. I think that's what makes people beautiful. I think that's what makes people like have a glow about them is that they're always looking outward because I think it's so easy in our society to look inward and, and there's so much of our lives that's so caught up in, in who we are and how do we look to other people. But I feel like when we're most ourselves is when we're least thinking about ourselves. I mean, and on that note, oh geez, we're out. Yeah.